Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, everybody, to another Basement Binge episode that has been a long time coming. It's been in the works for quite a while. One, just because this episode I've been working on genuinely for a long time because I am really passionate about it, that I want it to be done really well. In addition to that, while I was working on it, I ended up moving. And so that just delayed it even more. I just looked it up because I keep a record of all this stuff because I'm weird. I watched the movie La La Land on July 19th. It's now September 2nd, the day of recording this. That is a long time to work on one episode, but it is here. I'm more than excited to talk to La- talk about La La Land, so I want to jump into it. Before I jump into the first segment, Two Cents, I want to talk about two very brief, super brief announcements. One, I'm giving away a digital copy of La La Land. It's a digital code to redeem on your choice of digital streaming platforms to own La La Land in HD. I'm giving it away to anybody who leaves a review on this episode. So if you want to be entered to win the that copy of La La Land, just leave a review on this specific episode at podchaser.com slash the basement binge. I'll talk more about that later. Additionally, if you want a second entry, you can take a screenshot of your your review and email it to me at bingebasement at gmail.com. I'll talk about all that in a moment, but I am giving that away. Additionally, the podcast is moving to a different hosting platform. The podcast is still going to be here. There's no changes to it. It's still going to be the same podcast. It's just some behind the scenes things as far as hosting my podcast goes. It should be happening within the first uh, week of September. This episode is being released on the old platform, so it's going out as normal. If in the next few days you don't see, or next week or two you don't see another episode to me, just double check that you're you're subscribed to the right thing. It shouldn't affect anything. It normally doesn't, uh, but just in case, just be aware of that. Anyway, that's enough announcements. Let's get into the very first segment here, Two Cents. So Two Cents is normally a segment that I try to reduce to be about two minutes, spoiler-free, give my initial reaction to the film. But I want to talk about this a little bit more because La La Land is a movie that I've I've been waiting and waiting to review. And it's really interesting to me, just the, this film and my experience with it entirely. And I'm going to make this as spoiler-free as I possibly can. If you're one of the rare individuals who haven't seen this film yet, like I was. La La Land was a film that I had heard a ton about. And I was actually really, really excited to watch years ago at this point, maybe two years, I would assume. Um, I know I was married at the time, so it had to be within the last three years. But 
either way, I was excited to watch it. I watched it with my wife, knowing absolutely nothing about it, except for that it was a musical and that it was a romance that had Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone and that people enjoyed it. And small spoiler, I guess it's not really a romance. It has definitely has romantic elements and Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are incredible together. And their kind of like legacy made me believe more of it as a romance um, than it, it is. It's not a typical one. It's more so a musical drama than it is a musical romance. But either way, it, it just didn't work for me. It, when the film ended, it just retroactively ruined any part of the film that I had enjoyed before. it. I felt betrayed by the movie and it made me really dislike La La Land. The whole thing was just ruined by my expectations being wrong. So my initial Redbox review was something, a joke that I think I watched this wrong, excited to watch it again. And that was serious. Like I, I felt like I watched it wrong and that really affected my enjoyment of the film. Despite that, I still loved the style and look of the film, the directing and the performances. I love that. But specifically, I really walked away loving more than anything the singing and the dancing of the film. I loved the musical part of it. I love the songs. So despite my disappointment in the movie, I kept jamming out to the music over and over again. I didn't like it all. Initially, it was only two or three songs that uh, I really listened to consistently. I added them to a few playlists, that type of thing. And then I eventually just went and bought the vinyl for myself to listen to the soundtrack that way. Now, if you don't know, and I'm not saying this to like flex or anything, it's just part of the story. Because even so, I wasn't really listening to the entire album. I would just kind of pick and choose songs when I wanted to listen to them. When you're listening on vinyl, it prevents you from listening out of order. You have to listen to the whole album. It's just the way it works. It's not just a few songs peppered into a playlist. It's not on shuffle, right? It's the whole album from start to finish. And that being forced to listen to that way repeatedly because I enjoyed it. um, But consuming it in that order and in that way really helped me to understand the film, enjoying the music and listening to the words, singing the words eventually helped me fall in love with the whole narrative of the film that I had problems to begin with. The music helped me fall in love with the film. So just by enjoying that, I actually started to like the film a lot more and, and I loved the message and theme behind it. And it became so much clearer to me. And I really appreciate it. Eventually, I would just tell people that I loved La La Land and I would talk about it highly without ever watching it a second time, just by enjoying the music enough and helping it understand retroactively the experience I had with it. And that it was not a romance. I related to the the narrative and story of it more than anything. It helped me understand myself. And I'm really looking forward to the fallen segment for that reason. Because there's a lot about struggling between life and trying to create art, between having dreams and having responsibilities, the passion and love for creative artistic endeavors, and the difficult journey that it is, but one that is filled with both love and excitement. And so I would listen to the music and then think about it for days, and it really left an impression on me. So I've been wanting to get to this podcast for a while, one, because I have a lot to say about it, but two, I've been excited to get back to this to see, is this analysis I've been having for years and months, is it accurate? Am I just, is the music creating a different narrative than the film? What am I going to think about it when I rewatch it? Is it going to live up to these new high expectations I have, to use my own words? But alas, here we are. I watched the film <laughs> more than a month ago. And so let me just kind of wrap up my spoiler-free thoughts about this and, and kind of round out this two cents and we'll get into the segments. La La Land is a film that is vibrant and just full of life in every way. From the music, the performances, production and costume design with the just popping vibrant colors that, that just, 
are amazing to look at. The extreme wide angle with an anamorphic lens, the music and the dancing, of course, the camera movement, the editing, literally everything about the film just feels bright and full of life. And it's just a treat to watch. Visually, the film is marvelous with some of my favorite cinematography of all time. It also features this inspiration of one of my favorite types of shot. The anamorphic wide angle shot is what I call it. I'll get that to that later. But yeah, when we get in spoilers, I'll talk about it. It, It's just amazing to watch visually and it's just joyful. I've already spoken about the music in the film. Just in case you didn't realize the music is fantastic, both within the film experience, but also listening on your own. The characters are unique and the performances behind them are also just fantastic. And I would normally save this type of detail for binge points, but I'll save it now because I really like it. The decision to cast Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling and specifically the two of them together Damien Chazelle, he had this idea that he wanted to have the same type of appeal that a movie star had in the golden age of Hollywood that this film really is kind of reminiscent of. And if anyone has it, it's Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling as a package and like the chemistry they bring. And I'm saying that from experience that it like completely to a negative way manipulated my expectations of the film because of their involvement together in it. And I just think it's fantastic. Cinematic legacy really working within the confines of the story, and it just adds an additional layer of magic that's rare. Now, if you are one of those rare individuals who has not actually seen this film, you're listening to this episode, watch La La Land at least once. Even if you're somebody who doesn't particularly love musicals, watch it. It is 100% a musical, so expect that. But it's vibrant and full of life. It's got amazing performances. The music is fun artistically and and technically it's created so well that there are so many things to enjoy out of it. And I just, I just think it's great to watch. So I I highly, highly recommend it if you somehow have not seen it, but that's going to wrap up two cents because to be able to talk about this anymore, I've got to get into the spoilers. So let me talk about those announcements a little bit more. I am giving away a digital code to have for La La Land. It's a digital copy of the film for you to own to get that. All you have to do is leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge. It's also going to be linked in the show notes. The reason that I'm choosing Podchaser, I talk about them all the time. They're like the IMDB of podcasting. It's the most uniform way for individuals to both leave reviews and for also me to find reviews. On top of that, it allows you to leave reviews on each individual episode, not just the basement binge as a whole. So leave or make sure when you do leave the review to enter the giveaway that is on this specific episode, La La Land. Um, So anybody who's left a review before, I know you haven't reviewed this episode yet because I'm recording it right now. So you can enter. Now you will get a second entry into the raffle. If you take a screenshot of your submitted review and email it to me, Email is bingebasement at gmail.com. Again, also in the show notes. The reason for that is it just makes it easier for me to contact you if you are the winner. And so it's just, I would appreciate it. It gives you additional entry. I also mentioned I'm moving podcast hosts. So just make sure over the next few weeks that you're still getting episodes. If not, maybe just search for it again, find it again. Again, it shouldn't cause any problems. I just want to mention that in case it does because I would hate for any of you to go away. I love that you are downloading the show and enjoying it. Anyway, it's it's totally behind the scenes, shouldn't cause any problems, just be aware in case. That's enough of the announcements, let's move right along with the episode, because I'm excited to get into this. Next segment here, pick your poison. If it isn't already clear, this is a film that I would totally buy. And if you don't know what pick your poison is, it's the ranking scale here at the Basement Binge, where instead of out of percentage or five stars or out of 10 or something like that, 
it's four options. How would I interact with the film after watching it this time for the podcast? Never watch it again. Self-explanatory. Stream it, which is it's on a service I'm already subscribed to. I'm looking for something to watch and I'd click on it. Above that is rent it. Be willing to pay a few dollars, you know, at Redbox or rent it on Vudu or where Apple TV, wherever you do and watch it in the right circumstances. Top of the list is to buy it digitally or physical through like a Blu-ray or something. Watch it as many times as you want, pay the full price, that type of thing. It is a buy for me. It is a film that I've bought twice. That's why I have an extra digital copy. I bought it digitally and I bought a Blu-ray. Anyway, it's a film that I know I'm going to rewatch for years to come. I was kind of hesitant about this first rewatch, like I've talked about having these newfound ideas about the film. But if you can't tell through my voice and what I'm saying, it was good. I love Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling as Mia and Sebastian and Sebastian's struggle between creative dreams and the responsibility and opportunities of life. In addition to Mia's is one that I really love and relate to. On top of that, it's just an amazing musical to watch. It's, it's just joyful to watch. Like the particular number, A Lovely Night, that scene, it's just, just, it's just blissful. It's, it's just great to watch. I know there's going to be a classic I'll watch for years. So easy pick your poison there. Let's move on to the next segment live up. Now, this is normally where I talk about my expectation for the film and if it was able to live up for that. I already kind of explained my struggle with the film initially and then later falling in love with it again. So there isn't much more to elaborate on that about it living up to anything. So instead, I wanted to take a deeper dive into each song and how it helped me understand the narrative because the songs, like I've already said so many times, really were the the changing, the turnaround point for me. Also, I want to talk about the songs. They wouldn't really fit in any other segment and I'm in charge here so I can change the segment to be whatever I want. And this is the one I chose to change. So let's get into the songs and briefly talk about each one. Of course, I'll get it more into this and following. I just want to talk briefly about each song. So the first one, Another Day of Sun. The opening number for the, the movie. It's really about a group of people proclaiming their unique creative dreams collectively and the consistent risks and attempts that they're all taking to make that happen, in particular, moving to California or La La Land, if you will. And throughout the film, you hear the ups and downs of chasing those dreams, but how even in those downs, this wonderful place and the passion for those dreams make each day another day of sun. It sets the stage for the film perfectly, both as an opening musical number to the film and like setting the mood, but also with the motif of struggling towards creative dreams among the demands of life while having such passion for it that drives you to do it despite those challenges. So just to read a few lyrics here to elaborate, in case you're not already hearing it in in your head, and I'm not going to sing because I'm not a singer. Uh, This is a podcast. I speak. I don't sing. So particular lyrics here. I hear them every day, the rhythms in the canyons that will never fade away. The ballads in the barrooms left by those who came before, they say you gotta want it more. So I bang on every door. And even when the answer's no, or when my money's running low, the dusty mic and neon glow are all I need. And someday as I sing my song, a small town kid will come along. That'll be the thing to push him on and on. Climb these hills, I'm reaching for the heights and chasing all the lights that shine. And when they let you down, you'll get up off the ground because morning rolls around and it's another day of sun. There's a motif. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. The ups and downs, joys and struggles and continual passion and effort that drives people to take risks and and chase creative dreams. And 
And if you're somebody who has any type of dream, it doesn't just have to be creative. I think that's something we can all relate to. And it's interesting that I just didn't get it until I started to listen to it over and over. Anyway, talk about more of that and Fallen. Let's move on to the next song. Someone in the crowd. Obviously, this is a song where Mia's roommates are encouraging her to go with them on a night out with the hope of finding that someone in the crowd who's going to be the key to unlock these dreams, right? They're doing everything they can, but the way the things work, you got to find that someone who's going to lift you up above everybody else, right? You got to hustle. You got to hustle with your creative work. But there's also a bit of luck of being the one who's going to be picked out of the crowd to make you stand out, right? So here's some lyrics. You make the right impression, then everybody knows your name. We're in the fast lane. Someone in the crowd could be the one you need to know, the one to finally lift you off the ground. Someone in the crowd could take you where you want to go if you're the someone ready to be found. And the whole song is is full of excitement and also nerves, right? You put your dreams and your passion out out there. You do so much, but you also have to find that person, right? If we want to compare it to something that I can really relate to in the world of online creativity, you make so many different things, but then you got to put it out there on the internet for the algorithm or somebody to find it to then make it a hit, so to speak, viral to use that word, right? There is a lot of work that goes into actually creating the creation, but then there's also that chance of luck of once it is shared and, and the hope of it reaching distribution levels that are, are high, same idea here. And it's incredibly fun, but also incredibly discouraging and lonely because you put so much work into each one of these endeavors and put it out there hoping to be found. And a lot of the times it's not. And the song is fantastic at expressing all of that mixed up in one. In particular, Mia starts with this excitement. She doesn't really want to go, right? I've done it so many times. And then, but then, no, I'm going to do it one more time. I really am passionate about this and, and chasing after my dreams is exciting. But then she goes and it's difficult and she eventually wanders into the bathroom and the music slows and she's alone. And particularly the lyrics say, is someone in the crowd the only thing you really see? Watching while the world keeps spinning round. Somewhere there's a place where I find who I'm going to be and somewhere that's just waiting to be found, right? The hope to have this discovery, both for yourself, but also for others around you. And, and the level of acceptance that is kind of hard to find when you're consistently facing rejection for things you care so much about. And not so much rejection as someone like flat out rejecting you, but just rejection as like a lack of being found. Anyway, she continues and comes out of the bathroom just to be even more alone. And the way that it's done is just fantastic. She's even more alone than she was in the bathroom. But eventually the music starts to build up again and the hustle starts all over again. And the wave of emotions of trying hard, being discouraged, reminding yourself why you're trying hard in the first place and then starting all over while everyone else around you is doing the same thing. It's all wrapped up so well in both the song, but also the performance in the film. And it's just remarkable. If we move on to the next musical number, A Lovely Night. This is just a fantastic piece of musical cinema. That's all I have to say about that. It's fantastic. I love to watch and listen to it. Fantastic piece right there. The next one here, City of Stars. City of Stars Are you 
shining just for me. So this particular one, it's the song that both Mia and Sebastian sing multiple times. I'm going to focus on the one that Sebastian sings by himself. So it's after he takes Mia to the jazz club when she says she doesn't like jazz. So they go to the jazz club, whatever. And then they walk away from the bar and he's all alone. He's dancing on like the, the pier. It's sunset is beautiful, right? He's alone falling in love with Mia, which is not part of his plan on his way to have his own jazz club, but it's also amazing and really inspiring. And so he's kind of dancing around and, and like this like euphoric cloud nine almost type experience where you're just like among the stars and it, and it feels really powerful, right? So he's wondering, city of stars, are you shining just for me? City of stars, there's so much that I can't see. Who knows? Is this the start of something wonderful and new? or one more dream that I cannot make true. So again, the motif of struggling for those dreams returns. You just can't, you're just barely out of reach. One more dream that I can't make true. And it's interesting because it really reveals his feelings about Mia, but also the doubts he's having about his own dreams for the jazz club and the difficulty he's been having with that. It's just remarkable the way the songs work. And then we move on from that song and we get these beautiful pieces of music through the summer as Mia and Sebastian fall in love, both with them singing, but also just musical pieces, just instrumental. And it's showing just their, their journey together. Sebastian is showing Mia jazz. She's bravely creating her own show. They're pushing each other and lifting each other closer to their dreams. And then it slowly stops becoming vibrant and they fall because it transitions to fall out of love. And it really starts when Sebastian feeling a bit insecure about his financial and living situation because he overheard Mia talking to her mom. He decides to take a job that he initially said no to because he was choosing his dreams over that. That job was to go be a part of a band with John Lennon's character who I don't know his name. Anyway, it's really interesting because he gets a job that many people would enjoy. I mean, he's in a band playing music, touring, he's famous, all those amazing things that so many people wish for and strive for, but it's not his dream. And he chose that for the wrong reasons. And you can tell the way that it affects him and and like the dissatisfaction that just eats away at him and the way that it affects their relationship. And because of that, and the way that it all plays out, it really stops becoming a musical. As their relationship dies, the music fades. In that conversation where they separate, the record literally runs out. The music stops playing. And so we go through this journey, so on and so forth. They separate. He gets a phone call so Mia can have an audition. He goes and gets her. She goes and has the audition. And then we get the song Audition, The Fools Who Dream. Here's to And Mia begins to feel the joy slowly come back into her life as she tries once again to follow her dreams and it becomes a musical again. It doesn't, it it becomes a musical as Mia sings. And it's a really powerful performance from Emma Stone. 
and this is just remarkable. The way that it was done is it's not a lip sync to a pre-recorded track the way that it normally is in musical, right? Where they sing and then they have it pre-recorded so that they can perform and lip sync to it so they can take multiple takes of it, so on and so forth. It wasn't any of that. Justin Herwicks, the composer, he was in another room playing the piano and Emma had an earpiece so she could hear it. And the decision of when to transition from speaking to singing was entirely up to her. And Damien, the director, said that it was to give Emma control over that scene. And it just works so well. And you feel that emotion, the reality of fighting these dreams, despite how difficult or challenging they are, is worth it. And and I want to read some of these lyrics here. Here's to the ones who dream, foolish as they may seem. Here's to the hearts that ache. Here's to the mess we make. She told me a bit of madness is key to give us new colors to see. Who knows where it will lead us, and that's why they need us. So bring on the rebels, the ripples from pebbles, the painters and poets and plays. And here's to the fools who dream, crazy as they may seem. Here's to the hearts that break. Here's to the mess we make. This consistent motif of struggling to live those dreams within the reality, whether those are creative, artistic dreams, and even just dreams of love and life, we reach for those dreams, and it's a difficult journey to get there. And sometimes it doesn't go the way we plan, but, but here's to all of us who dream, who do it, who, who fight after those joyful things. It's just a remarkable thing that I want to talk about more and fall in. So I'm going to save that. But it, it's amazing how none of that, I didn't understand any of that until I really listened to the music more and more. And I find it really fascinating because in the research I did about the film, Justin Hurwitz and Damien Chazelle, they were roommates in college. They played in a band together. And they, this, was, this is Damien's like passion project. This is the one he wanted to create most and they'd been him and Justin had been working on it forever, writing music, coming up with um, melodies and themes and all that, but they didn't have any lyrics. And so the lyrics were given to um, I forget their names. I know one of them's uh, Benji, I think. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, I should have written it down. I forgot. Anyway, to the writers, the two they wrote La La Land and The Greatest Showman and Dear Evan Hansen. Why can't I remember their names? Anyway, it's going to drive me nuts. They wrote lyrics that told the story while fitting within the melodies that have already been made. And it's it's just, they work so well. Anyway, let's get into bench points. I already kind of talked about those a little bit. So Easter egg details, cool things about the film that I want to mention. And there's a bunch here, particularly that have to do with the film actually being made and that part of it. So Ryan Gosling, who plays the piano in this film, if you didn't notice, uh, actually did all the piano playing himself. So when you see s- someone playing the piano, right? When you see Sebastian playing the piano, it's actually Ryan Gosling. And he trained for months with a piano instructor to learn how to do that. Now she realized that they didn't have enough time to like teach him proper piano to have him learn how to sight read. So she just taught him these songs that he needed for the film. And he just learned how to play those extremely well, which he does. And it, it adds to the film. Other cool details, that audition scene earlier that Mia's character has where the casting director interrupts the emotional performance she's having to take a phone call. That was actually inspired by a real life interview that Ryan got or not interview audition that Ryan Gosling had. Um, Other details, the opening scene was filmed on a super hot day, right? Another day in the sun was literally filmed on a day in the sun of 109 degrees Fahrenheit. The dancers had two spare sets of costumes stored in their cars. 
because of how hot it was. Now, another detail about this that I thought was just hilarious was the choreographer who still needed to shout and give instructions to the performers during the performance had to be out of the way of the camera, obviously. So she hid underneath a car, like like under the car to stay out of the way of the camera so that it can move as much as it does while still being able to instruct the performers, which I think is awesome. I already mentioned how Damien Chazelle and Justin Hurwitz, they were actually roommates in college and how that really was the beginning of it. And I'd mentioned how it was really like a passion project for Damien. He was, he was trying to make this and couldn't get the budget to make it and eventually moved on and, and made Whiplash. And he talks about how he was making those films to get funding to make La La Land the way he wanted. And the producer, Mark Platt, told a story on the last day of filming. The sun was setting and Damien delayed announcing that it was wrapped. And instead, he grabbed a handheld camera to start filming the sunset. And the producer realized that what was going on, that uh, Damien didn't want the production to end. And so as the darkness fell, Platt walked over to Damien to tell him that he had nothing left to film without any light. And he finally admitted that, yes, it's time to call the day. And, and it's just amazing to hear people invest so much in these creative things that I enjoy because there's so much that I try to invest my creative artistic outlets in. Even if it's not something as creatively laborious as making a film, producing a podcast, whatever it may be, I, I can relate to that, not wanting it to end. And I, I just love that. Now, one more thing that I want to mention to close out binge points here, and it's a theme that I could have talked about in Fallen, but I don't want to. And so I'm just going to bring it up now because I do love it. It just isn't going to fit with everything else in Fallen. So the director, Damien Chazelle, also was really taken by the concept of meeting someone in your life who transforms you, right? They set you on a path toward being the, the dream version of yourself, the person you always dreamed you could be. And yet that journey that they set you on is one that you have to take alone. And he found that concept really beautiful and heartbreaking. And that's what he wanted the movie to be about. And it, it works. And that's why it is not a romance. <laughs> um, and it totally betrays the idea of a romance because that is a heartbreaking journey. So yeah, I, I love that. Let's move on to least and likes here. I don't have a least favorite scene. I really try to think about it. There are some scenes that you don't are my favorite, but they're by no means... Uh, a least favorite scene. I, I don't have any negative feelings towards any of them. Yeah, I, I love all of it. So let's talk about my favorite scene. And this is going to be the most random favorite scene. Um, but it's the scene that was the inception of the anamorphic wide shot that I talked about. So me and Sebastian are leaving the Lighthouse Cafe that I mentioned earlier, right after he shows her jazz. He promises her to take her to the Rialto to see a movie. And so they're walking away from each other as they walk out the door and it's this beautiful wide shot. The sun is setting. And if you look at the edges, you can see the distortion curving up because of the anamorphic lens that's used. And it's just unlike anything else. If you want to look at it, it's at about 46 minutes and 45 seconds or so as they're walking away from each other and, and looking back as the other one looks away. And just the wide shot, the compression that happens of the image fitting within that frame causes the distortion on the edges that I just love it. And I initially noticed it here and I've started to notice it in a few other films. I just love it. So I have to mention that scene. So let's get into the last segment here. The right, the one that I've been looking forward to, the one that really motivated me to actually make this a podcast episode, Fall In. Let's talk about what these motifs of struggling with reality versus dreams leads us to and that's the importance of dreaming and both the good and bad of it all. 
there's so much in the film that I could talk about uh, with this particular topic. And, and I want to keep it as brief as possible because I have the tendency to ramble. So let me try and put it in as few words as I can. Dreams are the things that bring light to our lives in so many ways. A purpose, a mission, something to chase after. It what makes each day another day of sun despite those lows. Now, there's so many things that could fall into these categories. Spiritual things, personal development things, artistic, creative things, career goals, right? We could kind of categorize and compartmentalize each of them. But ultimately, it's just the idea of having a dream and working hard to reach said dream. In my particular instance, in the film's particular instance, it's the difficulty of reaching artistic, creative dreams. Because in whatever avenue you're in, be it filmmaking in Hollywood or painting or podcasting or making YouTube videos, making music, so much of it is making said creative works yourself, but also so much of it is being found. I talked about that earlier, the, the luck of that being distributed to people and you being someone or, or, or creating things that, that people want to seek out. And it's difficult. And trying to do that while facing the reality of life is really hard. I mean, I've got a job. It's not the podcast. I've got a job. I just finished it about an hour ago. And I'm more than grateful for it. And I'm grateful for all that it is, provides for me and my life and my family. But there's always a part of me that is just discontent enough for it to bother me. Those dreams within us don't die easily. And I'm doing my best I can to chase that dream so that it never dies. But it's a really fine balance with a fair amount of luck. Because one, I, I got to maintain this job that I have. If I leave it all to pursue this dream, there's a huge risk there. And some risks are worth taking and I'm trying to find ways to do that, but other risks just aren't. I mean, life is full of responsibility. I have to pay for things somehow. But it's also a lot of, of finding that luck while also making your luck happen in creating those, those creative works, right? If we go back to the film, Mia gets the actress job that she has at the end of the film because she made her own uh, play. She did a play. If she hadn't made that play, there wouldn't have been the person in the crowd to call her. But she did make the play, but it wasn't just the play being made. It was a play being made matching up with, as the, f the film foreshadows with the song, someone in the crowd finding her and, and that leading to success. But before any of that, she has this fantastic audition that we already talked about. Emma Stone gives an absolutely amazing performance where she sings and the life comes back into her life and ups uplifting and reminds her of the joy and the passion for this creative thing. And then it fades, literally fades into her sitting on a bench with Sebastian talking about the relationship and where they are. Dreams, reality, and both and how one fades into the other and, and just the joy and blissfulness of that performance fading into the next part of life of the, the difficulty of talking about a relationship. And how that eventually fades into her life five years later and so on and so forth. I mean, it's just that's the way life works. There's a lot of fading in between everything. But there are those moments that are absolutely necessary to give us that joy, those, those outlets that fulfill us despite the lack of it pushing our dream forward. Whether Mia would have gotten the job 
Because of that audition, that audition was fulfilling. It wasn't the you've got the job that brought the music back. It was the performance that brought the music back. And something that I have to remind myself is that while the destination of this dream is so important, the joy can be found in the journey. And, and you know, you don't want to put one before the other. You don't want to look beyond the mark in either of those things. But it is something true that I have to remind myself all the time. In this fine balance I'm trying to find between all of this, I'm trying to enjoy it. Even right now, as I record this podcast, this, this podcast isn't paying the bills, but it is fulfilling to do this. And it makes it easier to then go and do the things that pay the bills, right? You got to find the balance. But I also want to talk about one more thing because sometimes we, we give up our dreams. Our dreams change. And that's a real thing. Dreams change positively. As we're searching for this balance, it's a heavy, difficult answer to get to if you even can get to an actual answer instead of just some type of balance, some temporary balance. Dreams change, but I sometimes feel like we are too quick to let our dreams change. And I want to talk about the scene where Mia and Sebastian actually separate. The argument that they have when he's trying to celebrate with her and they begin to talk about, is he living the dream, so to speak? Is he enjoying what he's doing, touring with this band? Is he's walking away from his dream of owning a club? And he says, this is the dream. She says, this is not your dream. And he replies, guys like me worked their whole lives to be in something that's successful, that people like finally in something that people enjoy. Her reply, since when do you care so much about being liked? Why do you care so much about being liked? And it's powerful because you can see the way that that is not his dream. Sebastian's character goes after that, pursues it, because it's, it's what he projects onto himself as what needs to be the dream because that's what he's got to do to pay the bills. And he completely abandons the other one. And it eats at him. And I, I can see it. I've experienced it. You should never choose your dreams or say something that is the dream for the wrong reason. You got to be careful. Yes, dreams change. Sometimes because we discover more about ourselves and what actually is the dream and our understanding of dreams, if you will, and what is dreamy grows. In addition to that, the opportunities in our life change. We make choices constantly. If you choose to rob a bank to get money so that you can then go make a movie, if you end up in jail because of that, your choices, <laughs> the opportunities are now limited because of the choice you made. That's kind of extreme, but th that's the idea. So we make choices that lead to consequences, both good and bad. And because of that, our opportunities are frequently changing and that can lead to our change of dreams. And, and all of that's good and well, and, that, and that's life. And that's part of the journey that we are to enjoy on our dreams. But we also have to be careful not to just abandon them so quickly when it becomes difficult. Then not to lose what is actually our dream and not to convince ourselves or be complacent with something being the dream that actually isn't. All of that being said, I think this is just a remarkable film that reminds me how much I love fighting and working for my creative artistic dreams while also trying to find ways right now to enjoy it. To remind myself that that music comes back into Mia's life because of the performance that she gives not because she got the job, but that the joy, she was without the joy and the music faded when that dream was abandoned, despite the difficulties that she was having earlier when pursuing that dream. The music was there. The music went away when she abandoned the dream. 
and for Sebastian as well. It's just, it's just powerful, and I love it. And I never would have gone for this if it wasn't for the music, and then if it wasn't for the film. And so I'm really glad that I revisited. I'm really glad that I did an episode about it, and I hope that I was able to convey what it means to me, both for myself, because as I edit this, I know I'm going to be listening to it, and hopefully I'm not uh, kicking myself that I should have said something better. But also because it's something that I like, I feel so passionately about that I want to share, and that's one of the things that's motivated me to have the podcast and have it be a part of my dream that's ever changing. So thank you so much for supporting that. Thank you for listening. Really, I'm giving away a copy of this, this film, if you would like it, or if you just want to support the show, please leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge link in the show notes. Please leave a review. It helps me know which episodes you're enjoying. It also helps other individuals know that the podcast is one that is worth listening to. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for downloading. But once again, my name is Harrison. This is The Basement Binge. And that is all for now. Ciao, ciao. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.